Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. He authored one of the greatest pitching performances in Cardinals history. Swing and a ground ball to the second baseman. Here's the throw to first. Out at first, and the Cardinals win this one one to nothing as Carpenters goes the distance. He goes the distance, and the Redbirds win this one, headed for Milwaukee, and Howard is down at first base, uh, halfway between home plate and first base. He injured himself, and they're out attending to him as the Cardinals celebrate around the first base bag. What a job by Chris Carpenter. He was phenomenal tonight. He shuts out. This uh, very hot Philadelphia club on just three hits. And uh, he's mobbed by his teammates. And the Cardinals advanced to the NLCS, played the Brewers, and then went to the World Series and won it all in 2011. Chris Carpenter's amazing complete game shutout over his friend, the late Roy Halladay, in Philadelphia to beat the Phillies. Incredible. Looking back at the 2011 season every day here on KMOX, the game tomorrow actually features Carp going up in Philadelphia to play a regular season game with the Cardinals leading and charging but still trailing in a wild card chase to the Atlanta Braves. Chris Raby, in the meantime, just caught up with Chris Carpenter, one of the great big game pitchers in Cardinals history, and like all of us, he is dealing with this coronavirus pandemic as best he can. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Um, I'm here in New Hampshire just uh, spending time with my kids when I can and and just uh, like everybody else, sitting in my house watching a bunch of reruns of golf and other sporting events. So um, it's been pretty slow, but uh, it's something that we all have to do to make sure that we uh, we all stay healthy. So hopefully we can get back out there playing sometime soon. You know, we were all just uh, in Jupiter a couple of weeks ago, and you were uh, out there every day with Mike Shelton and his staff getting the club ready for the year. Whether as a player or now as a coach working with players, you guys and, you know, the baseball season set up for creatures of habit. Uh, what's it like for an athlete to have anything like this? Certainly this is the most drastic example, but anything like this completely throw a fork in what they and everyone was expecting? Yeah, I'm sure, like like you said, I'm not the one getting ready to play. So, you know, I've been away from that for a little while, but I, I guarantee you these guys uh, definitely are, are feeling a little strange, um, definitely missing um the opportunity to compete when you you get ramped up all winter and you you get to spring training the excitement of spring training um it just brings the 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 readiness to start competing and you get to the point that we were in that spring training where we were a week and a half away from starting or something like that um 
you know, at that point in time, you're ready. Now you're looking forward to, to opening day. You're starting to get excited about opening day, and, and then it's taken from you. Um, that I'm sure these guys are are itching to compete in some point, some way or another. But uh, like I said, uh, you know, hopefully we can get out there as soon as uh, where everybody's ready, and it's it's team healthy for us to do that. You know, I imagine in your role too, and with the success of of last year, but also. The excitement going into this year, we were just getting to the part of camp where guys were what making like their their fourth trip through, and we were seeing guys get up to what sixty, then seventy five, and whatever the pitch counts are. Pitch counts were going up. There were some roster decisions that were being made. Competition was as healthy as as ever all camp, but especially you know the middle of March, it just brutal that you know in that excitement with all the storylines at least from our perspective as well as broadcasters kind of coming to a crescendo it just you just pull the plug you know it was uh, yeah i mean again it's so strange man like you're you're there like i said we're like a week and a half out the guys that know that they're going to be on the team you know the the goldschmidt the paul DeYoung, the matt carpenter the dexter fowler those types of guys that yadi you know all they're doing is that now they're to the point where they, you know, they're just getting excited. They're like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm done with the spring training at bats and let's just go ahead and start competing for real. Um, and you're down to those final little decisions. Things are starting to play out. Guys are seeing what's going to going to happen in the rotation. Guys are seeing what's going to happen in the, in the bullpen, extra, extra position players, things like that. You're getting down to those last minute, minute, uh, details and, and, uh, you know, I was there when they. I was there watching Wayno pitch on that day. It was it Thursday? And you know, he looked as good as uh, he's looked in years. And then all of a sudden, you come out after the game, and it's like, see, it's done. They're like, what? And I was on a plane the next day and flying home. I mean, it was uh, it was really strange to see how fast everything came uh, came to fruition and just ended everything real fast. We were a lot of excitement, a lot of things going on, and then all of a sudden, boom, gone. Like you said, pulled the plug. And, I mean, it was in a matter of, of hours that it went from we were still playing to not playing anymore. Yeah, and we got the press release in, like, the sixth inning. Like, we're broadcasting the game on the radio, and obviously you guys in the dugout, you know, aren't, you know, looking at your phones and email like, like we are during the game or like people in the stands are. And it was just, yeah, the most bizarre circumstance that, like, all right, well, this is all over, but we're still going to finish this game, and nobody really knows what's going on. I don't know. I guess um, I shouldn't be surprised by anything anymore, and should just be thankful that you know everyone's getting along as as best they can. But uh, the twists and turns of this thing are just uh, never ending. It was definitely weird. Like we were walking off the field. I remember walking off the field, and every, all the fans were like giving us a standing ovation, and guys were looking around like, "Wow, this is weird. What are they doing?" Because <laughs> we didn't know what was going on. And uh, they're like, oh, maybe they heard something. Maybe we didn't. I don't know what's going on. But anyways, I, yeah. it's definitely just a, a, a strange time in, uh, in our world. But hopefully when we come out on the other side, we'll find ways to be better. Yeah, either something weird is happening or we found a group of fans who have just experienced baseball for the first time and are more excited to be at a Thursday Grapefruit League game than anything else in their lives. And they're giving us a standing <laughs> Exactly, ovation. yeah. So, Chris, uh yeah. Without baseball, it's been great to replay 2011 games. And, you know, for all of us, and we're talking now to a lot of your teammates uh, and folks around the organization, to relive uh, everything. And I guess it's fitting that we began this journey and we began these games with Monday, August 25th against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
you guys had been swept by the Dodgers over the weekend. I will say that some of your teammates have described uh, some words and a message, a really inspiring message that you had for the team after that Dodgers series. Adam Wainwright spoke at a dinner at the MAC on that Sunday night, and then it took off. Why, Carp, did you have so much belief in the group in that clubhouse on August 24th when you guys were 10 and a half games back and there you know, was not much runway left? I guess that's the obvious first question. Yeah, and again, you, when you spend that amount of time with a group of guys um, and we're all pulling for one another, knowing you know that we're coming up a little short, but also knowing that the talent that we have in that room is is much better than what we're doing. I think there was so much pressure, and, and people started counting us out, and, and all those things started adding up to us not being able to to just go out and compete uh, freely and, and and do the best we can. We were we were doing and uh, we we're doing things that that really weren't uh, the way that our ball club played. And you know that meeting came up, and it we we had great conversation about. You know, this is a group of guys that if you give us the the opportunity to go out and play and compete um, and just play freely, um, why not? You know, if we just stop worrying about what everything else and everybody's saying, the papers are saying, the media is saying, and all these other things about us not um, living up to the expectations that we were supposed to and that we were done, um, we just leave that, uh, you know, outside the clubhouse, and let's just go each and every day and compete for each other and uh, and start now. And then we did that. Um, we uh, we continued to go out, and then everybody. And I think it was it was okay. I guess the point was it like we got over the the pressure of if we didn't didn't make it. It was just like let's just go compete and see what happens. And uh, everybody started strapping it on, man, and it was a fun ride. Carp, how do you as a leader, a veteran, the leadership group that you had in that clubhouse, how do you and did you over the course of your career or did you observe guys over the course of your career know when the time was right for a meeting like that? You know, it's kind of a phrase that we hear a lot in sports is players only or closed door meeting, right? Like, how do you know when the time is right to deliver a message, especially when you're around a group of guys every day for nine months straight, unlike any other sport. How do you know when you back off or at some point it's going to lose its impact? You can't be doing that every week. You know, you've got to pick your spot. Yeah, and that's true. And I have to be honest with you, I don't have an answer for that. It's a feeling. Um, there's something I guess maybe God gave me the ability to, to have that discernment um, of when and how to do it. Um, and there was other ones that guys – guys talked and, and had their opinions and their, their talks also. So um, they're really, it's just a, a feeling, you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, you're hearing all, like I said, all this, this external um, talk coming into our clubhouse that we're all, you know, I'm looking around, looking at these guys, like, come on, man, we're, we're letting this stuff affect us. And, and um, we shouldn't, we, we're too good. And, and ultimately, you know, who cares? Let's just go play. And, uh, again, we were able to do that. You know, I mentioned that Pittsburgh series. Uh, the first two games of that four-game series, you guys were trailing, so you had to come from behind. You won three out of four. What was it about you personally, but also the team, Carp, that you guys rose to the occasion against the teams you were chasing? Milwaukee, Atlanta. The schedule certainly laid out where you had opportunities against the teams you were chasing, but 
you guys played some of your best baseball when you when you absolutely had to. Yeah, and again, I think that that was part of it, right? You know, we knew that we had a we had opportunity. Um, if we just went out and played, um, we had opportunity to catch these guys. Yeah, it's math, right? Needed, At some point. Yeah, we also needed some help, but we also knew that you know we were going to be playing teams that if, if we could put some some wins together, we got a chance to to catch them and. Um, you know, I just keep going back to the freedom that after, uh, you know, we, for some reason, I don't know what happened, but we finally were able to start playing, uh, at the level that our ball club, um, should have been playing at all year. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, we had, we had a really good ball club and I think it showed, you know, again, going into those the, the last whatever month and a half or, or so of the season where we were able to catch them and then fell into the playoffs and beat some really good teams in the playoffs to win it. Um, we had a really good team, man. We had a, a talented team. We had a, a strong all the way around the game team, guys that could come in and fill in in different positions on, on days that we needed. We had a good bench. We had, you know, all that stuff came together. Um and was able to to push us. Yeah, I guess there are two ways of looking at it, right? Like, you could be frustrated and say, we're better than this, we have all this talent, why aren't we winning more games? Or you could say, well, we have an opportunity and we've got a lot of gas left in the tank. If, you know, we're five, six games over 500 and we feel like we haven't played great baseball, think of what we can do over the next five weeks and think of what we can do when other teams are running out of that gas. Yeah, and and I, again, I I go back to the freedom of like it's almost like who cares, right? So, you know, if you you see like you you know as a starting pitcher you go out and you give up three or four runs in the first, and then you see those guys that end up going seven and they don't give up any more runs the rest of the game, right? Well, the pressure's off. It's like all right, well I already gave up the four runs. Who cares? And my night's screwed. So I'm just going to go out and see how far I can go. So the pressure and that stuff is off, and allows you to free up and just go compete. And the same thing, I think again happened to our ball club guys the pressure was really like well you already counted us out everybody thinks we're going to lose we have no shot so who really cares let's just go play and see what happens um and when you play like that um which is what you try to get to as a as a professional to be able to play relaxed and free when you play like that your talent comes out and you're allowed to to, to utilize the, uh, your talent to the best of its ability and it was exactly what Chris Carpenter did, and he did it time and again in that 2011 season throughout his career as well. But the 2011 season, one of his absolute best, even sometimes when he wasn't at his best or pitching on three days rest. Pitching tomorrow will be Chris Carpenter on KMOX at 615 at Philadelphia. Great interview there by Chris Raby. Full interview can be heard at KMOX.com, and we'll continue to follow the 2011 season. Back in a moment where we will hear from another member of the 2011 team, Daniel Descalso, on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday Morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. Welcome back to the show. We are reliving the 2011 season every single day here on KMOX Radio. We have a game Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. We have games every Saturday 
at 6 p.m., 6.15 Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Saturdays. And on Sundays, they're at noon. So we have one coming up here at 12 o'clock. It's the Cardinals and Philadelphia from Citizens Bank Park in Philly, where the Phillies are trying to clinch the NL East. They are a win away from doing that, and the Cardinals will go after them just like they did yesterday with an 11-inning victory over the Phillies. Last night's game was nuts in 2011. 4-2 to in 11 innings. Adron Chambers had the game-winning hit, and then Tyler Green added an RBI double after that. Tyler is our guest on the way here at 1145. But for right now, a contributor to that 2011 team, you remember the name so well, he played a big role in helping this team push forward. As a matter of fact, uh, he was a big part of that rally in Game 6, to tell you the truth. Let's listen in on some Game 6 highlights before we go to him. This is the Cardinals in the 10th inning. The pitch to Terrio, a swing and a chopper to third. The play is going to be to first for the out, and a run scores. Terrio drives in Descalzo. Ryan Terrio drives in who? Daniel Descalzo. That was a big run right there. That helped the Cardinals. Then Lance Berkman tied it in the 10th inning, and later David Freeze famously won it in the 11th in that Game 6 of the World Series. Chris Raby sat down with Daniel Descalzo and chatted with him, of course, at a distance. Here we are in this uh, day and age. Here is Daniel Descalzo. Well, you know, obviously just trying to keep uh, the body active, um, you know, doing some workouts at the house, um, you know, getting a little creative, but on the uh, riding the bike a little bit, um, just kind of mixing it up. And as far as baseball stuff, um, I haven't really done a whole lot. Like I said earlier, there's just no, we have no date. Um, they don't have a clear end in sight for us yet, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to, to ramp up right now um you know guys i think a lot of guys have kind of been using it as a nice little break maybe you know spend some more time with our families that we don't usually get to this time of year um, i'm sure the pitchers are throwing you know those guys it's going to be really tough on them you know that's what spring training is really for is to get the the pitchers you know all ramped up ready to go so um but, but like i said they don't have a they don't have an end date in sight so you don't want those guys throwing too much um to where you get a little burnout before before this gets going again. So it's just, you know, everyone's trying to figure it out, taking this sort of day-at-a-time, week-at-a-time approach. Well, let's talk 2011, and here on KMOX and the Cardinals Radio Network, we started with what we're calling the 2011 Rewind. We're playing a game every night, and we started with the August 25th game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You guys had just lost 10 of 15. You had been swept by the Dodgers, and you had a heck of a week. You won 6 of 7, 3 of 4 against the Pirates, and then swept... uh, the Brewers up in Milwaukee. What do you remember first, Daniel, about that last week of August? Carp told us about team meeting and, and some of the words he had for you guys after that Dodgers series. What do you remember about starting to put together some wins and, and maybe some of the belief in the room while at the same time, mathematically, it was still a huge hill to climb? Yeah, you know, uh, at the end of August, things were not looking good for us. We had made some moves at the, at the deadline to bring some guys in thinking we had a chance to really make a push and make a run at, uh, at the division. Um, and then we just, we didn't play well. It didn't, it didn't click for us for whatever reason. And so we got to the end of August and, and like you alluded to the, the meeting that, that Carp called and it kind of just um, put everything out on the table. And at that point, like it, mathematically, the, the odds weren't good, but we still had a chance if we got hot. And basically the message was, um, 
you know, let, let's prove to people that, that the guys in this room um, have what it takes and we're not just going to roll over and, and quit. Um, let's, let's see what kind of fight we have left and kind of take it a week at a time. And, and then we kind of we kind of got hot from there. What did the leadership of, of that team mean? Because, you know, in sports so often we, we hear as fans or media about closed-door meetings or, or players-only meetings, but you have to know, I'm sure, as leadership on the team, when to pick your spots. You can't be having those meetings, you know, every week. They're going to fall on deaf ears. So uh, what did the leadership of, of that team, both Tony and his staff, but also the veterans that you guys had on that club, mean to you guys? Well, when a guy like Chris Carpenter calls a calls a team meeting. Um, you know he's got something important to say. You know he he's a hard worker, a leader by example, but not always the the rah rah vocal type. So you know when he when Carp spoke, you know everyone listened. Um, just the competitor and the respect that he had in that room, his words carried a lot of weight. And and the rest of the leadership in that clubhouse was was great too. They brought in. Um, you know, Nick Puto and Gerald Laird and Ryan Terrio that offseason before that, uh, guys that that were professional but, but kept it loose and, and brought a lightness to the clubhouse. Well, I think they had been missing that in, in the couple years past. So those guys, along with, you know, Albert, Matt Holiday, Yachty, um, Lance Berkman, I, I mean, the, the veteran leadership on that club is, is as good as you're going to find. What was it about the way the schedule laid out for you guys that you were able to take advantage of? Because obviously not only were you playing great baseball as we turned the calendar from August to September, but you were doing it against the teams that you chased. You know, I think we did a really good job of only worrying about what we could control, and, and that was going out trying to win series and rattle off a bunch of wins in a row. We couldn't really, you know, worry about what the Brewers were doing or what the Braves were doing. Um, you know, we did need some help from them, but that wasn't something we could control. Um, I, going into the, into September and uh, knowing that we had, you know, finishing with the Astros, that, that was going to be a series that, you know, if it came down, if it came down to the last week that we were going to be able to uh, – if it came down to that last series, we needed some wins. That was going to be a series we could take advantage of. Um, but we just tried to control what we could control in our clubhouse and not worry what was going on outside of it. What kind of leader was Tony throughout this, Daniel? And, you know, uh, a lot of guys have talked about the fact that he probably knew all along uh, that this was perhaps going to be it for him. And to be able to manage you guys, lead you guys, make it about the club, let you guys, you know, have the kind of clubhouse that you did, what kind of influence was he both on and off the field? Yeah, you know, so being my, my first full year in the big league, you know, getting to know Tony and how he operated, um, and, you know, it, it was, uh, as a young player, maybe confusing at, at times, but, you know, you, you always knew that Tony was was thinking ahead in the game or, or thinking a week ahead or, you know, a couple moves ahead. So, you know, you just come to appreciate the, the type of uh, preparation that he put into it. And like you said, he probably thought it was it could be his last year the whole time. Um, he, he led the players, uh, you know, lead the clubhouse. He, he didn't really get involved in there too often. Um, and, you know, he just uh, he let us play. He did a good job. He does a good job of bringing some attention on, on himself sometimes to take away from pressures uh, that the clubhouse can feel so we can just go out and play. You know, he, he did a good job of, of deflecting that uh, pressure off of us and, and putting it on himself. 
so that we just have to go out and, and play ball games. And Daniel Descalzo that. with Chris Raby right there, one of the great Cardinals from the 2011 World Champions. Again, we have Cardinal baseball on the way at noon as the Cardinals visit the Phillies. Tyler Green, a member of that team, on the way at 1145. But when we come back, we've had some requests on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. I know we've been very baseball heavy the last couple of weeks here. We've had some requests to go back and really dig into our archives for some Cardinals highlights from the football side. Oh, I have some. And I'm going to play them when we get back to sports on a Sunday morning. This is for all of those big red fans back in the day. I've been feeling it lately, too. And that's coming next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. Tyler Green, Chris Raby continuing to interview the 2011 Cardinals on the way at 1145. But until then, I thought I'd take a moment to talk about another Cardinals team. We haven't done this in a while. And these voices are going to bring you back. In fact, it's... One voice in particular, I think, that will bring you back. The voice of the Cardinals in those runs in 1970 was Bob Starr. There was not a finer play-by-play man in professional football than Bob Starr, and you're about to find out why. As a matter of fact, let's have from one to another, let him introduce him. This, ladies and gentlemen is Hall of Famer Jack Buck from 1975. Sunday, November 16th, the Big Red met the Redskins at Bush Stadium, a sellout crowd. We pick up the action in the final minute of play, Washington leading 17-10. to 10. With the ball at the Washington 7, the Big Red tried to score on the ground. Three plays failed. Forced the Cardinals into a fourth and goal with 27 seconds left. Hart went back to throw in what could have been the lost offensive play of the afternoon. Instead, it turned out to be the start of the biggest controversy of the season. Mike Harris checks back in as Kane comes out. It is fourth down and the Cardinals' last chance to get on the board. To the right goes Mel Gray. To the left side comes Earl Thomas. At the Redskins, seven, fourth down. Kane is tied to the right side. Hart goes back to throw and sets and fires up in. It is touchdown, Mel Gray! Pass incomplete. They ruled that he dropped the ball. He had the ball in the end zone, and now all sorts of cane is going to be raised. The officials huddled at the Redskin goal line to decide whether Gray had made the catch. Dan Kelly and Bob Starr described the hectic scene. Gray had the ball in the end zone, and now they break that huddle, and let's see what the signal is. It's a touchdown! 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 Touchdown, Cardinals, they're one point away from tying it up. Bakken booted the extra point, forced the game into sudden death. The Big Red won the toss, started from their own 25. Marched downfield to the Washington 20 as Jim Otis did most of the work running the football. The stage was set for Bakken's heroics. Both teams readied for Tom Brahaney's snap to Roger Whirley. 37 yards away from victory. The Cardinals mark it at the 27, a 37-yard try, almost in the middle of the field. Very slight angle right to left. Whirly ready to hold. All set, snap back. The ball down. Bakken's kick is wide up and good. The Cardinals win it on a 37-yard field goal by Jim Bakken. The victory moved the Cardinals into sole possession of first place in the NFC East. 
One game ahead of both Washington and Dallas. Listen to that crowd at Bush Stadium. Make no mistake about it, folks. In the 1970s, St. Louis was a football town. The baseball team had some down years in the 70s. The hockey team had some down years in the 70s. They had some okay moments. But this was a football town. The St. Louis Cardinals won the division in 1975. In fact, let's listen to more of that season. Here is another highlight. Wide to the left side, Icaris. Wide to the right side is Mel Gray. Backs now split. Steve Jones is in to run with Metcalf. Third down and eight at the 30 of Dallas. Back to throw his heart. Sets and looks. Fires up and toward the end zone. Up high and caught for a touchdown by Terry Metcalf. A superior catch by Terry Metcalf in a crowd between Bell Renfro and Charlie Waters and Randy Hughes. And he made it a, a tremendous catch, almost an impossible grab for Terry Metcalf, and the Cardinals break on top. Bob Starr with the call there. That was against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, we hated the Cowboys around here, and the St. Louis Cardinals loved to get their fans energized. Let's play another one from 1975 against the Cowboys. Here's Bob. Wide to the left side goes Mel Gray. To the right side comes Ike Harris. Kane is tied on the left side. Backs off set strong left behind Hart. First down at the Dallas 49. The backs off shift to the right side now. Behind Hart, who again works with a long count and goes back to throw and sets and looks and fires. Long and deep for Mel Gray. He's there at the 10-5. Touchdown! 49-yard touchdown pass from Jim Hart to Mel Gray, who just flat out ran Mel Renfro and took it to the 5 and skipped in for the score, and the Cardinals are on the board again. That was the song, Cardinals are charging back in the 1970s. 1975, the division champions, Mel Gray with a touchdown catch on that last one. And Jim Hart and Don Coriel, who should be in the Hall of Fame, the architect of that offense, the head coach. Many coaches patterned their offense after Eric Coriel, as did Mike Martz the offensive coordinator and then head coach of the St. Louis Rams. It was all about Coriel, Coriel throughout his career. What an incredible team that was. Never won it. Never won it all, but they were entertaining, that's for sure. And I know a lot of those names bring you back. We'll take a quick break. Back to the baseball Cardinals right after this. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tyler, how are you, man? How is the quarantining going? Have you uh, learned any new languages or figured out any new hobbies? Because everyone seems to brag about those ambitions on social media. I've pretty much uh, watched Netflix and gained weight. Yeah, we're uh, same boat here. We're going through the Netflix uh, shows like no other, and uh, not to lie, fine-tuning my handyman skills around the house these last uh, couple of weeks. Here you go. Your home value is going to skyrocket after the quarantine because you're going to probably have done a full remodel by the end of this maybe <laughs> at least i know a possible backup career in the making <laughs> there you go well let's talk about uh the first career it was a great one and that 2011 cardinals team you know actually before we we get into 2011 there's probably one thing that's on everyone's mind and that is that a couple of years ago uh, there was some shenanigans in the fantasy camp championship you were called up to replace i believe an injured bohart and you and Rick oh, Ankiel yep. beat my team with Scott Cooper and Brian Jordan. I'd like to just give you a moment to maybe, 
I don't know if you want to apologize to me, Tyler, but just kind of state your case as to, you know, why you're able to sleep at night after that happened. <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to be in the stands as bad as uh, the rest of the guys to watch that game and not participate in it. But, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, the I guess uh, uh, age played a factor in that one. I guess uh, <laughs> some, some type of secret draft maybe going on behind the scenes I wasn't aware of, but uh, was uh, happy to partake. And that was uh, that was one heck of a game, I will say that. That was uh, probably one of the more nerve-wracking games to play in a fantasy camp with the, the hits, the offense, the defense that was getting uh, – put around out there was pretty impressive <laughs> yeah you guys won and i'm sure everyone is on the edge of their seats but uh i think we had some i think i was stranded on, on second or third base as the tying run so uh it came down to the wire but you know that it's such an incredible experience tyler that i know you've been a part of now so many times and the cardinals do such a great job in jupiter also in st louis and in cooperstown as well joe pfeiffer an incredible job you know as fans yeah. sit right now and listen to great memories, and think about baseball coming back. Uh, if a fan has never gone in and dove in headfirst and, and done the fantasy camp experience, what would you tell someone about it, and uh, what kind of experiences have you had that maybe you didn't even expect? No, I think uh, I think the biggest uh, thing that surprised me was the brotherhood of it all, uh, the campers, the former players, I mean, the friendships that are truly made during these camps and, and they last and the reconnections that you look forward to seeing these guys every year when you come back to a camp. Um, in regards to the baseball part of it, I mean, it's, it's the best of all worlds you can take. I mean, to be able to get back on the field, put a uniform on, be with the guys, be in the clubhouse, in the locker room, um, kind of the, the best parts of that whole experience of a career you kind of get to live again and kind of all the, I guess you could call it the tough parts of the negatives of that part of business. You, you aren't involved at all. So it's kind of a, it's really a blessing for, for a player and a great experience just to, just to be back out there, just playing games, being with the guys and just truly enjoying yourself. Yeah. I think that's, you know, what I was most nervous about and, you know, I consider myself fairly athletic, but I hadn't played baseball and, you know, 20 years and no one was too aggressive about it. No one should be self-conscious about it, whether you you played in the big leagues or played college or played high school or um, haven't played in 50 or 60 years. That's the cool thing about it, man. There's so much camaraderie. Everyone's in the same boat and the actual skill level of each player that makes up each team as weird as it sounds is almost the least important part of the entire weekend. Yeah, I think that's, I, that that's what makes it super special is the fact that everybody's there just to have a good time and baseball is a part of it and the friendships and the relationships that are built are also a big part of it. But I think the most important thing is just where everybody's going out there and, and enjoying themselves, regardless of you know whether you win, lose. Obviously, everybody wants to win, but I think the main focus is just having a great time and having a great experience out there. Well, you heard it from... The horse's mouth can't recommend it enough as one of the guys who gets back year after year as a legend. Join Tyler Green and uh, everyone at Fantasy Camp cannot recommend it enough. Let's talk about uh, that 2011 season, Tyler. And, you know, as we go game to game and we're broadcasting, 
every game in its entirety on the radio every night. It's kind of amazing to relive a lot of the different parts of not just the season, but really each game. And I can't even imagine as a player when you were turning the page and, you know, all of a sudden it's not just a team that's getting hot, but it's a real crowded clubhouse. How much do you remember of just the day-to-day, kind of the everything almost outside of the game that made that team and that last month so special? It's a great group of guys. I mean, I, when I look back and think about all the all the relationships, all the guys, and they were unbelievable players uh, from no experience to a lot of experience, but the personalities and the people that were in the clubhouse, I think, was the separator. I mean, everybody to get, you know, 25-plus guys all on the same page and pulling in the same direction, I think that's what truly made it special and exciting. I mean, it was exciting just to keep winning game by game and, and, and seeing the climb start. And we we're getting closer and closer and closer. And it was just kind of that excitement built up that as long as we – could take care of what we could take care of, you know, anything could have happened. You know, I talked to Adam Wainwright yesterday, and he said, Tyler, that he heard and you guys heard talk or rumbling within the organization or storylines. Well, we gave it our all. Uh, you know, we'll get a look at some guys. We'll, you know, see what we've got next year. As a guy who was coming up and uh, was coming up in September, what kind of questions were you being asked? Uh, it's, you know, because I was kind of on that one side of it, right? Because I think um, I know right after the deadline when we got for call, I went back to Memphis and then came back up. And played great. The, the end, <laughs> yeah. Towards the, end of, towards the end of August. And kind of just what you talked about for, for me, for my personal situation, it was, hey, man, it looks like we're kind of we're out of it here. So maybe, maybe there's an opportunity to kind of get some playing time and, um, you know, kind of show – uh, you know, kind of your, your skills and your talents. And I, I remember when I first came up, I think we were playing the Braves and uh, back up at the end, we were playing the Braves and um, I was like, all right, hey, we'll get you out there. And then, you know, won one game against the Braves that day. Then we won the next one. And then we won the next one. <laughs> so um, I think it ended up being where I think the whole month of September, I got, I think two at bats and, a couple stolen bases, but it, it was it was something special, special to be a part of as a team, especially too for, I think for some of us the younger players where we all had kind of come up together um, through the minor leagues. That was kind of a neat aspect of the two where a lot of us that were all drafted as Cardinals and came up through the system together, kind of all started gathering at that level, and it was it was pretty cool from that perspective. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.